The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network from Anaheim, California. And I won't tell you that it's sunny, it's warm, and there's rain coming our way. But we're inside. So Arlen Suderman is joining us here with FC Stone in person at Commodity Classic. What a great opportunity for you to get a chance to kind of interact and talk with a lot of growers here. Yeah, it really is. I always enjoy this when I'm able to come to Commodity Classic and meet growers from all across the country and uh, talk to them. They're, they're the salt of the earth. They, they're who produces our food supply for not only us, but much of the world. And uh, just great people. And I really enjoy that. Now, during the time of Commodity Classic, usually it's a quieter side of the market trade, which is okay for producers who are busy. Today proved them totally wrong, and the dark horse was the wheat market to surprise everybody. Uh, it really was, and that has implications for corn, but uh, we've been pushing wheat higher based on the drought conditions in the plains, and we need to put it in perspective. We have a nine-month surplus of supply of soft red winter wheat. We have over a six-month, almost seventh-month surplus supply of hard red winter wheat. We are not going to run out of wheat. Uh, this is bad for the farmer in the plains. Really, from I-70 south is where the worst of it is. And just a very southeast corner of that um, got rain out of this last system. So the driest areas missed it. And it is dry. This is I've been asked about this. Uh, by many people thus far at Commodity Classic from outside the area. And I said, it, it is dry. This is significant. I, I do believe, you know, wheat is a weed. You can, we could get rain next week and it would heal tremendously. But we're getting to that point where we're passing the point of no return on some of these uh, acres on uh, being able to recover. And there's no relief in sight, not in the, not in the 15-day outlook, not in the 30-day outlook. So it's concerning. Uh, We're way behind in top dressing, and uh, farmers are soon going to have to make a choice whether they're going to invest in top dressing of that wheat or they're just going to destroy it and put in a summer crop. And if there is any left there at all, maybe graze it off first. You know, it has been such a quiet commodity as of late. And every so often we got that weather blip that you talked about, and now it just seems like it's taken hold. It's got the attention of more than folks who see it and hear it on a daily basis from producers. Yeah, it really is. And through the winter, you know, it's hard to get the market too excited because, uh, you know, anything can happen by the time it gets to spring and a good spring could still recover it. Uh, but we've been seeing these higher placements in the Catalan feed reports now for several months in a row because there's pasture simply running out. And so we've been pulling these lighter weight cattle back into the feedlots because there's no pasture, no no wheat pasture for them. And uh, so that's providing further evidence or, or proof of the problems that are in the region. Uh, here again, what this does and the way the funds look at it, they came into this uh, with uh, massive short speculative positions. And so now they're trying to cover those as the prices go high, hit stops on the charts um, that tell them to get out. Um, and and take what profits they can. They're trying to get out of their positions, and today was a day when they kind of finally topped some of those levels that even some of the more diehard speculative funds who had been hanging in there said it's time to get out. And uh, that's why Chicago led the way, actually, because there's more shorts in Chicago. A lot of Kansas City um, traders had already gotten out of their shorts, um, so that's why we had more in Chicago. 
there's some air in this market. Can it continue to go? Yes, it can continue to go. But we should keep in mind this is a weather market. And weather markets go up fast and they come down fast. And they come down before we think it's justified, before the weather actually turns. And so we need to be very careful keeping in mind what the surplus is. Now, the writing has been on the wall, and I know we're really focusing on the wheat market today, but because it really had the center hold of this entire commodity trade from all the grains. Well, and particularly corn, because there's so much low-protein wheat out there in the system right now from the past couple of years that's ready to jump into the feed bunk if corn prices go up too far too fast. And so we saw that in the corn market today with wheat going up 20 cents how corn was able to finally have a breakout day. Uh, I kind of like the way corn kept grinding higher. It was more of a demand-driven market. It was also held down by a lot of heavy farmer selling, uh, particularly for that December contract at that $4 level. There were a lot of farmer sell orders in at that level, and we were able to finally push through that level. I imagine we'll see quite a bit more farmer selling here again tonight. That'll be factored into the markets tonight um, when they reopen overnight. I was saying, say, you know, here we are at the midweek. Can we keep this trend going for the rest of the week for corn and wheat? Uh, we can. We will as long as the funds want to. And uh, the funds operate with a herd mentality. And I always say um, that uh, when it comes to the funds, it doesn't matter whether their reasons are right or wrong. If they're convinced that prices can go higher and so they want to buy, they will do so and they will do so in a herd mentality. But that same can quickly reverse and only one person gets that high in the market. And of course, weather will play a big part in it as we move closer to full emergence of this crop. And I know guys getting busy to uh, start spring planting. A lot of discussion like that here at Commodity Classic. They're already having to turn turn that wheat like you said because of that yeah certainly will so the question is what will go into those acres if we do have higher abandonment and at this point i think the odds of that are certainly better than normal that we will uh grain sorghum would have been the easy choice here before china started messing with and trying to threaten those shipments coming in cotton will certainly get a lot of acreage particularly from highway 50 south uh, we'll see a lot of cotton acres, I think. There will be some grain sorghum on those acres. There will be some soybeans. Um, but the next question is just how big the abandonment will be. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We will take a look at the soybeans. I'll talk a little bit more cotton as well and uh, some frustration out there for the pork producers. We'll, of course, take a look at cattle as well. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Joining us is Arlen Suderman from FC Stone as we are at Commodity Classic taking place in Anaheim, California. Stick around. We've got more coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Hurry up. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman is joining us, FC Stone, both of us at Commodity Classic in Anaheim, California. And, you know, I joked, Arlen, about the weather uh, coming into this, but we are inside. I want to let folks know where we could have, but we didn't take this out to bask in the sun. But weather has continued to be such a dominant force in the in this markets we talked about it from a wheat perspective from a corn perspective no surprise or tilts still talk in south america yeah absolutely argentina is the primary focus although i think we need to pay attention to brazil as well argentina obviously with drought conditions stretching into southern brazil uh, if you look at the analog years other years with very similar rainfall patterns and very similar temperature patterns 
it would suggest about a 10% drop in production. That would say the soybean crop somewhere around 47, 48 million metric tons, corn around 36, 37 million metric tons. From a soybean standpoint, if we hold it above 45, I I think that the longer-term implications of the market is, is somewhat limited. On the corn side, you put that together with the delayed planting in Brazil, particularly in Paraná. A lot of the focus has been on Mato Grosso, um, but uh, we're looking at a crop closer to 87 million metric ton uh, in uh, for a total corn crop in Brazil. That's down from where USDA currently has it at 95. If we cut back acreage here in the United States, of course, we don't know what our yields are going to be yet, but factor in a trend yield. You look at declining acreage in China, we could see all four of the major producing areas of the world cutting back on corn production this year. And so I like the dynamics in the corn market. We could still change that with the big safrina crop, although the odds are slowly going against that there. Uh, but there's a lot of time, and and we still have a lot of unknown about the U.S. But uh, I like these dynamics for the corn market now with wheat going higher um, because of uh, the drought in the plains and kind of using up some of those surplus stocks. Those dynamics continue to improve very gradually. I don't want to get bullish about $6 corn. That's improving. And weather is behind much of this, but demand for corn is behind it as well. We talked, um, you, and you brought up cotton and saying an increase in the cotton acres in the south. I just remember a few weeks ago talking to a producer that said, reiterated that cotton is something that he was looking at. He hadn't planted in a while. But from an economic standpoint, it made good sense. Yeah, it really does. Now, it takes specialized equipment, and so that's helped held a lot of people back and so you have to take a close look at that if you've never grown it before you need to do all you can to learn about it before you go into it but for those who have done it before we've seen some doing some expansion if we have high abandonment of wheat i think we'll see caught a bit more expansion of it the pricing has been rather good of late here again a lot of that hinges on china what china does what are the actual supplies of quality cotton versus just low quality cotton in china and so there is some risk to it. Have a good, solid marketing plan in place and, and be prepared to act on it. Let's jump over to the livestock side. This hogs, you know, we saw some really good numbers in the last week for them. Nice to see the positive trade. But today, they took a big drop. It really did. We saw a big drop in belly prices uh, during the morning. And uh, that really started to pull us lower. And then we had some sell stops and the fund liquidation. Uh, hit high gear and and we took that April contract below sixty eight dollars and that leaves us vulnerable to another leg d- down. We were getting some nice margins in here for the Packers, and so we're anticipating a more aggressive kill this week uh, as a result. But these with these lower prices, it's sure setting the market back now. What about for the cattle? On the cattle, uh, we we saw some significant movement in the plains today, starting in Kansas and then up into Nebraska. Uh, 126 and a few 127s in Nebraska and that was a little disappointing we were looking for something closer to 128 the market held up rather well in the face of that uh, the midday meat uh, prices were mixed overall uh, I think the pork market had some effect on kind of pulling the board down as well um, but I think this is a market that's still trying to find that balance we've had good demand to absorb the larger supplies that those supplies still are larger and kind of keeping us from going too much higher right now I'll jump back onto the grain side of it and I want to talk a little bit about ethanol what you're seeing in the trade all these RIN talks and the RFS does that have any effect on the way you guys are looking at the trade 
Yeah, and we're very nervously watching a meeting that's supposed to take place in the White House on Thursday of this week, and the word we get is that President Trump has asked for uh, like five people from the oil industry who aren't lobbyists or politicians and five from the ethanol or the biofuels industry, I should say, to meet together with just one administrator. What we've been told is that would be uh, Wilbur Ross of the Commerce Department. He hasn't necessarily been a friend of agriculture at times, um, but out of that they're hoping to get some input in which Trump will make his uh, his decision on where he's going to stand on our, on the RFS issue. So uh, a big day coming tomorrow. And you can guarantee here at Commodity Classic, it's got everybody's attention. Yeah, it certainly does. It is the talk of the show in addition to trade issues. All right. Well, we have run out of time, unfortunately, on the Fontenelle Final Bell for today. Best way for folks to reach you, Arlen? INTLFCstone.com. And, of course, always follow him on Twitter. You'll be kept up to date on all the latest happenings. Twitter handle is? Twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F, is in Frank Frank, 101. All right, check it out. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Thanks to all the great Fontenelle dealers out there for bringing you guys this report on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.